Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. As we uh, hit the final home stretch here in Mark chapter 16, I'm so glad to have had you for this study. By the way, we are jumping in next week into a brand new book of the Bible. Really excited about studying the book of Jeremiah. So we'll be in Jeremiah, uh, that Old Testament book, 52 chapters, uh, but we're going to keep it at a good pace, so we won't be there forever, uh, but we do want to cover it verse by verse. Uh, it's a it's a rich book. If you're not careful, you'll look at it as a negative book because it's about the destruction of Jerusalem and the pro- the the prophet Jeremiah and the repeated warnings of God to Judah. But there's great hope as well, great promises. Uh, that you and I can grab a hold of that are so applicable. And I, I think that uh, I think you'll be encouraged. So get ready for that. Invite a friend. This is a great time to get others involved in the podcast. I hope you'll do that. By the way, leave a review if you think about it, uh, because the, the, the number of reviews that we get uh, really kind of drives the traffic a bit more uh, to the uh, podcast. And and my goal is to get as many people as possible listening to the Word of God. So if that would be something that you'd be willing to do, that'd be a blessing. So think about that. Uh, but for today, we're in Mark chapter 16, and we are in uh, verse number 14. We have been talking about the problem that these early followers of Jesus had which was the problem of unbelief. So Jesus had predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection. It occurred just as Jesus had said. That's why you see the recurrence of that little caveat, as he said, as he said. He has risen, as he said. And the, the, uh, the, the rising of Christ gave way to eyewitness accounts. And so now we have women that have seen him or at least seen the empty tomb and heard the angel's a, a proclamation. And then, of course, Mary Magdalene actually saw him personally. Uh, those disciples on the road to Emmaus saw him personally. And they have given their accounts, respectively, to the 11. And they're still, they, their accounts are met with unbelief. Uh, such is the strength of doubt in our lives and in the lives of good people, even faithful followers of the Lord. Uh, These doubts can encroach, can they not? So here we are now in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 14. Would you look at that, please? Where the Bible says afterward, so after his appearance to Mary, after his appearance to the two on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says he appeared unto unto the 11 as they sat at meat. So uh, he comes and appears to these that had now heard, in the meantime, from the Emmaus disciples. So Jesus himself, remember we we read about this, he comes into the room uh, there in uh, Luke chapter 24, he appears right to these disciples, uh, comes into the very room where they resided, 
uh, and didn't doesn't come through the door. He just kind of comes in with his glorified body while they're at meat. Now, the Bible says he appears unto the 11. And you say, wow, well, wait a minute. I, I thought they're the 12. Well, no, there's not 12 anymore because Judas has committed suicide. And really, there are not even 11. There are 10 in this room. You say, well, is the Bible contradictory there? Because Thomas is not there. Thomas is not there until a week later, remember? And yet the Bible calls it the 11. Why? Because it's a designation title of the group, the 11. So even though they're not all assembled together, they're the 11. uh, Because uh, the absent one is still considered to be part of the group. I I love that. I love that designation even I could say to our church family on a Sunday morning, I could say, hey, Faith Baptist Church family. Now, does that mean that every single person in the Faith Baptist Church family is there when I'm saying that? No, but I still view our church in aggregate as that's the name. So view the 11 here, not as a number per se, but as a designation that this group is has integral uh, unity, and and identity. And so it is with your local church. So it is with your family. You might you might have a family gathering and you know our daughter in Australia couldn't make it home uh, for that gathering, but we're still the family, right? So here it's the 11. And Jesus, so Jesus appears to his assembly to put it in that vernacular. And watch what happens, verse number 14. So afterward, he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat. What a special appearing that must have been, because remember, it had just been a couple days before that Jesus had sat at meat with them and had broken bread with them and had taught them and prayed with them and had washed their feet. And so a meal time was a very intimate time. In that culture, to share a meal together was the ultimate expression of friendship, you know, to break bread together was to accept each other, to let down one's guard, to invite another person in. And so the most intimate setting uh, during uh, any part of a day or a week would be the setting in which uh, everything would be set aside and we would eat together. Uh, It used to be that way even in our country, that mealtime was kind of family time. I'm afraid Unfortunately, we've gotten away from that due to the busyness of our society, but it used to be kind of a staple in American culture that, hey, the family meal, family dinner, you know, we eat at 530, we eat at six o'clock, we gather together, we have family prayer, we, uh, we, we're not dismissed from the table until we ask permission. It's a time to eat and to talk about the day together, and, and so that was very similar back in, in Bible days, that a meal time was a time of intimacy, a time of fellowship. We find that in the book of Acts, for instance. At the end of the book of Acts, we find that the disciples were together. Uh, they're, they're sharing, they're, they're teaching doctrine, they're breaking bread, uh, they're fellowshipping. All of that was part of kind of the mealtime mantra. So here in verse number 14, afterward, he appeared unto the 11 as they sat at meat, and upbraided them. So to upbraid means to rebuke. Uh, He kind of stepped on their toes a bit. He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So what does Jesus deal with here? 
He deals with their current issue. And he doesn't, there are many things for which the Lord could have upbraided them at that mealtime. He could have said, hey guys, I was there in that garden a few days ago and you all ditched me. You all ran from me. Uh, you denied me. Uh, you, um, uh, you weren't there at my, you slept when I prayed. I mean, there's many things for which they could have been upbraided, but he doesn't deal with their past, does he? He just deals with what is crippling them in that moment. And that is their hardness of heart, their unbelief. And those two things go together, by the way. Hardness of heart. Why? Because belief requires a tender heart. A tender heart toward what? A tender heart toward the Word of God. Remember, belief is never can never exist on its own. You can't just believe. Uh, in our modern society, we say things like, well, uh, we are people of faith, or what we really need to do is just believe. Well, that doesn't mean anything. People of faith. Faith in what? Uh, we just need to believe. Believe what? See, belief must always have an object. Faith must always have something in which it invests itself. So when the Bible says he upbraided them for their unbelief and for the hardness of their heart, that brings those two concepts together. Because what that means is they're not believing because their heart is not allowing the word of God. That's the object of our faith. That, that's the sure word in which we can place our confidence. Uh, but they've hardened their heart to the power, to the effective uh, effectiveness, to the truth of the word of God. That's why to Mary Magdalene, uh, or rather to uh, to the the, the uh, uh, to Mary Magdalene, he he said, "Hey, listen," uh, or, or rather, the angel to the women. That's what I want to say. He said, "Listen, he told you this." So the, there, the women, their heart was open. Yeah, he told us this, and now we see it. We believe. Mary Magdalene, he told us this. I see it now. I believe. Uh, the the disciples on the road to Emmaus. What did Jesus appeal to? He appealed to the scriptures, beginning at Moses, all the prophets. The Bible says this. They saw him, they believed. So their hearts were no longer hardened, but they were open. But here are the 11, and they're still persisting in their unbelief. Why? Because their hearts are still not open to what is available to them, and that is the Word of God. So in that sense, the heart of man is like the soil of ground. That's why Jesus used that parable in Matthew chapter 13 and elsewhere, which is, the word of God is like a seed. And the seed is only going to be as effective as the ground is receptive. The seed will only be as effective as the ground is receptive. So if that ground is hard, like the wayside, the seed will have no germination effect. If the ground is thorny or stony, and therefore the seed can only grow marginally, there's not going to be fruit. There's going to be no produce. It's only when the seed is received into good ground that fruit grows at 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And the point here is Jesus is upbraiding them because the Word of God, there's no problem with the promise of God. It's true. There's no problem with the prediction of Jesus. It's true. Everything that Jesus said would happen, happened. Everything the Scripture predicted happened. The problem is not in the circumstance. The problem is not in the word of God. The problem is in the heart of the disciple. So that's what Jesus upbraids them for. 
that you should have known, you could have known. And in fact, intellectually, you did know, but you didn't receive by faith what was told you. I upbraid you for your unbelief and your hardness of heart. Look at verse number 14 again. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So the specific upbraiding was, I have communicated my message via other followers, whether it be the women who had been charged by the angel, whether it be Mary Magdalene, which had seen Jesus in the garden, whether it be the disciples on the road to Emmaus, which had broken bread with the Lord and had hustled back to Jerusalem to tell uh, the residue, these, these 11. And now Jesus says, I am communicating not just through the word of God, that, that's already, that, that's there. I'm communicating not just in the messages you heard me teach over and over again in my ministry, but most recently, I have sent you my emissaries. I told Mary to come tell you. You know, through that angel, I told those women to come tell you. You know, through the testimony of those disciples on the road to Emmaus, I sent them here to tell you. And you're not believing my messengers, therefore you're not believing me. Understand, that's how God still works today. He uses people that have experienced Jesus that have believed themselves, that are in that sense a witness, and they witness of the truth. And as they witness the truth, it's the responsibility of other human beings to believe that which these people are witnessing of. You say, well, we're supposed to just take people's word for it? No, because they are sharing the word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is confirming as that internal witness the truth, the validity of what that human witness is testifying. So it all works together, doesn't it? Well, I hope that helps. We didn't get too far today. Just one verse, but wow, what an important verse it was. We're going to, uh, Lord willing, finish by the end of the week. I know that we will, uh, Lord willing. And so tomorrow, let's look at verses uh, 15 through maybe 18. And then uh, toward the end of the week, we'll finish the entire chapter. Thanks for joining us as always. Hope you have a great day. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.